Okay. So I just want to say uh, thank you, worship team. Uh, it's, it's such a, a privilege to hear you pray, uh, play. Uh, my daughter's playing the violin, and uh, for the first time we had uh, Taylor play, play the, um, the piano. So that's just such an amazing thank you so much, guys. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to uh, dive into Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. Um, this passage is really interesting because all three synoptic gospels teach this passage. And it's about Jesus healing a man who's paralyzed. And he has four friends that take him to Jesus, and he's lowered through the roof. Many of us know the story. Um, we're going to uh, primarily learn it from Luke's perspective, and we're going to uh, kind of dive into a little bit of uh, Mark's perspective. But we're going to focus on, on Luke. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, and let's just read it together. The passage, okay, um, one day Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and teachers of the, of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is the fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew that they were thinking and, and, and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority over, over the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace, God. I thank you for this passage, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that um, we can be kingdom builders, Lord. I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you're about to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I noticed from a young age, my daughter had a desire to tell people about Jesus. And um, when, when Crescenda was young, we would, um, just, just, by, just so you know, I have full disclosure to tell stories about my family. So um, when, when Crescenda was five or six, we would take her to the park like most parents would. And Charlene and I would be sitting on the bench and Kashinda would come back about half an hour, and she would um, have a report to us. And her report wasn't so much 
I got invited to Susie's birthday party or Johnny scraped his knee. She would survey the playground and she'd come back and she would say, who's a Christian and who isn't? And being the disconnected father I was, I would say to her, well, Kashinda, what church did they go to? Were, were they Baptist or were they Pentecostal? Or, and she'd look at me, she's like, I don't know. And, and so she, she, she had a desire to, to see people come to Christ. And a few years later, she came to me and she said the most profound thing. She's like, Dad, I want to lead someone to Jesus. And in, in that moment, I didn't know what to do. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? As parents, you want to provide with your kids good things. But that's one thing I could not provide for her. So I prayed into it. I'm like, Lord, Kashinda has a desire to build into your kingdom. She wants to see people grow in you, God. She wants to see people saved. And Lord, I pray that you would honor this little girl's request. Well, you guys know that I, I, um, I lead a Tuesday night Awana club, and uh, Awana's very gospel-focused, right? And so I would, um, one night I was, I was preaching the gospel to the kids, and I gave an invitation, and we noticed that one of Kashinda's mutual friends brought another friend. And when I gave the invitation, this, this girl came forward to accept Jesus. And I said to Kashinda, come, come. And, and I got her to talk to her and, and, and to pray through her. And Kashinda was so thrilled to be part of the, uh, be part of the puzzle in that girl's life to uh, walk in her journey with, with God. I believe that God wants to bring every human being into a place of salvation. And he wants us, to the church and I, to and bring people to himself. This is part of being a kingdom builder. What are you willing to do to be a kingdom builder for God? Today I want to teach you four key principles throughout this passage in Luke chapter 5, verses 17, 26. Four key passages that are kingdom building passages. Now there are many different kind of kingdom building perspectives in the Bible, but we're just going to focus on four of them for the sake of time in this passage. The first kingdom building perspective in this passage is that the principle is, teach, uh, is that um, it's reaching out to those who are marginalized. And we see this in the paralyzed man. And I just wanted just to take you, uh, just for a minute, to look at the paralyzed man in this passage. Um, he has four friends, according to Mark, it says four. And their friends showed empathy and compassion towards this man. And this, and I want you to understand just the time that this was written. It was a time where people with disabilities and barriers were on, on the outcasts of society. They were led to a place of um, begging and depended on people's goodwill and, and to, to charity. We would often see them in front of temples begging for money. If you had a disability or barrier, it was no life for you. But these men were different. These men saw potential in their friend, and they loved their friend. It reminds me of um, Galatians chapter 6, 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. We live in a lost and broken world. And we live in a world that needs Jesus. And I just want to give you a glimpse, a snapshot 
of our society right now. In the year 2022, just last year, we see 2,500 homeless people in the city of Edmonton. These people sleep in tents. They sleep on the street. They run to bus shelters when it rains just to keep out of the wet. And the crazy thing, guys, our community, our church right here, is seeing the very first thing. We're seeing an increase of homelessness right on our front door. The staff sees on almost a daily basis of people coming to the door asking for water, asking for a cup of coffee, asking for a sandwich. A lot of them just want us just to pray with them and for someone to hear them and someone to show them compassion and love. Right now in Canada, 22% of the population is living with a disability or some kind of barrier. That's 6.2 million people of all our population is struggling with something. We live in a lost and broken world that needs Jesus. And our, our society, they have a tendency to judge people on what they can and cannot do. And we have a tendency to um, be attracted to our own cliques. You know, and I'm not blaming people. I think this is human nature, but we see this um, where seniors are attracted to seniors and uh, families with young families are attracted to other young families. Youth are attracted to youth. Kids are attracted to kids, right? But God wants us to reach out to the marginalized. He wants to reach out to those that don't have a friend. Yet, the church struggles to reach out to the marginalized too. And I believe there's two reasons why the church struggles with it. I don't think the church judges people so much, but there are two reasons why people struggle to reach out to the marginalized. Number one, they're fearful. They have this preconceived notion that if someone is homeless or they're struggling, that they're a criminal. They, they have this um, idea that if someone struggles with an addiction, that they're going to get hurt. But the reality is, they're just people like you and I that need someone to love and care for them. The other thing I believe that the church struggles with when reaching the, the marginalized is personal investment. I don't have time. I, I just don't have time to, to talk to people. I'm too busy. Yet God wants us to see people through his heart. I'm, and throughout scripture, we see God using the marginalized people all the time. I, I had to pick one example, and when I was, when I was um, getting my wife to read my sermon, she's like, oh, Rod, you got way too many examples here. So I'm just going to stick to one for the sake of time. It's that I want to look us to look at John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman. This woman was marginalized in many ways. For one we see that she was really poor and lonely. And I'm going to give you some examples of this. You see, back in those days, it was like almost a community thing for people to get water early in the mornings, right? So if you were, um, if you were poor, you would go get water. Or if you were a servant, you would get water. Because if you had money, you're not going to go and haul water to a village. It's extremely hard work. And they would go in the mornings. And the reason why they would go in the mornings is because it was so hot in the heat of the day. And it's, 
in John chapter 4, the scripture says that Jesus meant the Samaritan woman at noon. Right? And it's an odd time to be drawing water up at noon. And the reason why I believe, well, what I read was that she drew up water at noon because she had no community. She had no friends. And this was the well of Jacob. There was a closer well for her to attend to, but she chose to go to the well of Jacob at an awkward time. She was lonely and she was isolated. Yet Jesus, Jesus saw the potential in her heart. Jesus saw that she was looking for more than to quench her physical thirst, but she was wanting to quench her spiritual thirst. And Jesus extended a grace and hope to her. This woman had struggles with relationships. Jesus knew that she had five husbands, and she was living with a man right now. Yet Jesus met her where she was at. Her life was changed when she met Jesus, that she went to the different villages and that she told people that he was the Savior and the Messiah, the promised one that was to come, that he was already here. If we are to build into the kingdom of God, we need to look at people through God's heart. Amen? Oh, my goodness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. We need to see people through God's heart, right? God's grace is extended to absolutely everybody. Everybody. To those who share common traits or those who we don't have anything in common with. God's grace is absolutely extended to everybody. You know, I'm just reminded about... um, I'm going to use an illustration with my wife now. Um, I'm really... Um, fortunate to marry someone who is extremely gracious. That's what I love about Charlene. She's one of the most gracious people I know. And Charlene would, um, before we went to this church, we went to a small Baptist church um, downtown, and Charlene would, was really involved in the church. And she would paint, and she would, um, you know, do law maintenance, and they needed an administrator. So she would jump into the chair, and she'd answer phone to make the bulletin and type and all that stuff. And, she, and when she was taking calls, uh, people would often want to talk to the pastor. And there was this one particular guy that would call, and um, we'll call him Lyle, just for the sake of privacy. And Lyle would call to talk to the pastor, and over time, Charlene got to know Lyle. And Lyle came from a broken home. He came from parents who did not love him, who um, just, you know, abused him. And over time, Lyle got into drugs and alcohol. He experienced whole homelessness continually. He was incarcerated in and out. Uh, For the 20 years I've known this man, he's been in more than out. And when I met Charlene, I found myself going on these tours. And we would... When Lyle would get transferred to prisons, we'd go to Drumheller, we'd go to RBC in Saskatoon, and then we would go to, um, you know, the Edmonton Max, and, and we'd just want to visit Lyle. <coughs> Excuse me. And I remember one time I, I said to Lyle, after I got to know him sometime, like, you need to change the people that you hang around because they're a trigger for you. You can't be hanging around people who are addicted to crack and heroin because 
thus you're going to be falling into the same things. You need to be around people that will love you, that will pray for you, and that will build you up. And we would bring him to church, and I'm not blaming this church, I believe it's a problem all over, is that we'd bring him to church, and guess what? Nobody would want to invest in Lyle's life. Nobody would, would hardly even talk to him, right? And again, I think that it's just partially that we're not comfortable and that we're, we're drawn to our own kind of clique and crowd, right? But we need to see people through God's heart. And one thing I love about Charlene is that she sees potential in what God can do in Lyle's heart. And she believes that God isn't done with Lyle's life yet. Uh, just some applications that, um, that we can learn from this is that... Sorry, I'm just... Ask God to bring someone in your life who is in need. And that might be someone in this church right now who's in need of a friend, who's lonely. Ask God to help you see people through his eyes and his heart and to love those who are difficult to love. It's not easy to love people. It's easy to love people who we get along with, but it's really hard to love people who are really, that we can't relate to. Treat destitute people the way that you would like to be treated. Come, uh, the last one, I don't mean to plug into one of my own ministries, but uh, we saw a need in, in the community about six weeks ago, well, in June, so Daisy and I started a community drop-in. And God is really blessing this ministry in, in such a strange way because it's so simple. On Wednesday afternoons, all we do is um, set up a table in the foyer, put on a cup of coffee and some muffins, and people come into the building. And, and, and there's no big program plan, but, you know, we sit there, we listen to people, uh, we pray with them, and we just build a relationship in, into their lives. We're not here to judge them, but we're here to love them. And God is really blessing this ministry because he's bringing people who we would never thought would come through those doors. So if you want to try it out, you're more than welcome to come. You do them once a month on a Wednesday morning. The second principle that we can learn in building the kingdom of God is um, working together. And we see this in verse 18. We see these four guys who have a desire to take their friend to Jesus, right? And they couldn't do it alone, but they needed each other for support and help to accomplish the goal to bring their friend to Jesus in verse 18, right? God created us for community. He created us for each other for a reason. We live in an individualistic society that tells us that we're, we can do things better on our own, which the church needs to be different because it's not a weakness to do on our own. It's a strength to work together. Let us consider um, some, some, some scripture passages that we can learn that's better to work together and live in community. It's Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so, but encouraging one another and all more of you to say the day is approaching. I love this one in Matthew 18, 20. It says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. 
1 Corinthians 12. I love this passage because Paul uses a metaphor as a church body. And what does that mean? It means that we cannot function alone. The hand cannot function without the arm. The eye cannot function without the ear. We're, we're, um, our bodies are meant to function as a whole, and that's what we are as a body, to function together. We are not meant to serve God alone, but together in all we have. Our part is to play no matter how big or how little part it is. What kind of ministry can you serve in to use your gift as a team? If not, easy working with others. If we can work, we get more done together. The third principle we can learn in this passage is that our, our, so the third principle we can learn is our lives is for the kingdom of God is perseverance. Perseverance. And let's look at um, the passage 18 and 19 because we see these four guys lifting their friend to go see Jesus. And they faced a lot of trials and obstacles on their way. For one, they had to carry him, which took some strength, right? Secondly, they, they get to the house and, and they get disappointed because they realize that the house is packed full of people and there's no room for them. And then, like, un <laughs> like typical guys, they sit there and they come up with an unconventional way to get in. Let's go through the roof. Now, if it was me, I, I would be like, oh my goodness, let, let's just sit and wait until we get more room or people come out and we'll see Jesus in. But no, these guys decided to go through the roof. And you might be thinking, well, how did they get through the roof? Well, back in those days, they had a staircase either on the, um, the back of the house or on the side of the house. And so they used their house, the roof of their house for an actual space to live. So they decided to go through the roof. And then what happens is... They decide to dig through the roof and put their friend down and remove tiles. Well, let's look at it from the perspective of, you know, nobody gave these guys permission to go through the roof. Nobody. And what about the, the homeowner? Well, if that was my house, I wouldn't like some guys digging through my roof and digging out tiles and doing an um, document demolition job. Like, you know, these guys had boldness. They were brave, and they persevered just to see Jesus, just to see Jesus. And they were willing to get rid of any obstacle in their way so their friend could meet Jesus. When it comes to pers perseverance in uh, building the kingdom, I want to use another example. Um, I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again uh, years ago. When, uh, again, another story about Kashinda. She's 18 now, so she's giving me full disclosure to tell the stories through my service, so no worries. But when she was five or six years old, um, it was Christmas time, and like most families, uh, like most small children, my Kashinda absolutely loved Christmas lights. And our house is a very simple house, so we would have one string of Christmas lights along, along our house, and she just, our kids thought it was the world's best thing, right? And one time she noticed that there was, our neighbors had no Christmas lights. And she's like, Mom, why does our neighbors not have any lights on their house? And Charlene said, well, Kashinda, you know, 
Our neighbors, they have a different religion. And they, they don't, uh, they're Muslim, and they don't celebrate Christmas like we do. Well, to a little child who grew up in this church, who's gone to Awana, she was absolutely shocked to hear this. And it just rattled her world. And then one Sunday, the next Sunday, she goes to Sunday school. And the son, I haven't figured out which Sunday school teacher did this, but I'm going to find out. But she goes to Sunday school, and she gets a, a bracelet. And little girls absolutely love bracelets, right? And she gets this bracelet. And uh, the bracelet is the gospel message. Every single color in this bracelet tells how you can, what Jesus did for us on the cross and how you can share your faith. Well, Kashinda is just thrilled about this. So she comes home and she's like, Dad, look what I got. I got this new bracelet. And she has her little kid's Bible, right? And she's like, Dad, I want to give my Bible to the neighbors and I want to share with them the gospel that I learned in Sunday school through my bracelet. And when, when I share the gospel with them, Dad, they'll become a Christians, and then we can celebrate Christmas with them, right? Well, okay, Kashinda. And, and, and I was trying to dodge the subject, right? And I'm trying to, like, avoid, avoid this. I'm trying to redirect her, right? And she kept, she'd have her Bible at the front door, and she kept staring at it and staring at me like, Dad, will you take me? Will you take me to go to the neighbors? And... Being the spiritual leader in my house and the head of my home, what do you, th and, and I, I looked at my daughter in the eye, and what do you think I said to her? I said, go ask your mother, Kashinda. <laughs> you guys judging me right now, you do the same thing. I know you would. I know you would. And Charlene gave me that glare. We know what the glare is, right? And I said, I'll pray for you, honey. And so, so, so then Charlene and I prayed through it, and Charlene took her to our neighbor's house and um, rang the doorbell, and I'm in the living room, earnestly praying, almost sweating, and uh, she rings the doorbell, and they open the door, and Charlene says, my daughter just wants to share with you what she learned in Sunday school. And there Kashanda has her bracelet, right? And she's going through the salvation message with them. And she gives these people her Bible. And I believe that just plants seeds in people's lives. And from a young age, she's just building into the kingdom of God. Building in, she's having a desire to share God's love and God's word with people. Even though they might look different from us, they might have a different faith, a different religion. What obstacles are standing in your way to bringing people to Jesus? What kind of obstacles is standing in your way? I was that obstacle for Kashinda. She removed me and she went to her mom, right? What kind of obstacles is standing in your way? The fourth principle that we can learn in building into the kingdom of God is faith. Faith. The men finally got the whole dug, and they took ropes and slowly lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus. Jesus stopped teaching to respond to their situation before him. Let's look at verse 20 here. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, 
Your sins are forgiven. I find this passage so interesting because Jesus addresses the spiritual need over the physical need. He addresses the spiritual need first because it's harder to change somebody's heart than physically heal them. It was because of their faith that the four men, that Jesus healed the paralyzed man. It was because of their faith that Jesus forgave their sins. James 2, 14 to 17 says, when, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can each faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes, and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, not good, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And we see, I love this passage because it pretty much sums up this whole passage in Luke about the paralyzed man leading their friend to Jesus, right? The reason why they did all that work, they carried him, they carried him up the stairs, they dug a hole in the roof, they lowered him through the roof with ropes because their works was a result of their faith, right? Or their faith, their faith was a result of their works, sorry. Their faith was a result of their works, our faith will produce good works <coughs> because we love God. This is exactly what happened to the paralyzed man. His friends did all this work, bringing him on a mat, carrying him up the roof, and digging a hole in the roof. Not because of they were trying to score brownie points for themselves, but their faith produced these good works. God can use our faith to lead others to him. How can people hear if someone doesn't tell them? God uses our faith in him to bring others to Jesus. The righteous shall live by faith. We see many examples of God using simple people because of their faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 describes faith this way. Now faith is, a con is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do and not see. We know that Jesus is alive, that he is our redeemer and takes the place of our sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and for, will forgive us for our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Pharisees and the religious teachers had doubts about who Jesus was and what he could do. Look at verse 21 and 22. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Their lack of faith was hindering their building of God's kingdom. How many of us have had thoughts of doubt like the Pharisees did. How many often do we put our barriers in what God wants us to do for him, for others? If we are going to be effective and productive kingdom builders, we need, must have our faith in Jesus Christ. He is a redeemer of our sins. If he chooses to physically heal or not, 
It is up to the Lord, but it should not change our faith or desire to build into the kingdom of God. We need to trust God for little things and big things and let him do the rest. An illustration I have in trusting God in big and little things is that when Ivory was um, small, she, uh, you know, when you're five or six years old, you're in the midst of losing your teeth and little five, six-year-olds have, uh, you know, like their front tooth loose and, and, and gone. Well, it was so important for Ivory to um, keep her teeth in this white container. And when she was little at home or at school, it was one winter, she um, lost her tooth. And Charlene would pick up the girls every single afternoon about three. And Ivory lost her tooth at school. And she's so excited to show her mom. And it was a winter day with lots of snow and lots of kids on the playground. And when she met Charlene on the corner, she opened up her little white box and she realized it's gone. And Kashenda came up with the bright idea of, she said, well, let's pray about it. And Charlene had, had this doubt in her mind, thinking, well, this is like a needle in a haystack. I, I, she goes, I guess, I guess we'll pray about it. So these three girls were standing on the corner and they're praying about this tooth that Ivory lost that was so important to her. And after they're done praying, they decided to go hunt for this tooth. Well, in the middle of this white, fresh snow with all these kids tramping around with their winter boots, they find this tooth. And, and it just shows that God honors a child's faith in him, right? And he can do anything big or small. An application we can learn is we need to trust in Jesus for big and small things. Our faith is the cornerstone and testimony of bringing people into the kingdom of God. In conclusion, where are you in your kingdom building journey? Do you love those who are marginalized? Do you have faith that Jesus can do anything? Are you willing to work as a team? and work in, with a body of Christ. We, all, we also need to have faith in our stability with Jesus. 